Oh, we can be done now, can't we? Man, I'm so grateful when we get to see people really use their gifts. And, it, and you, we can all be grateful when people like me stay in our lane and don't try to use those gifts we don't have, right? Uh, man, they, that was amazing. I love just the, the sound, just the pure sound of just a praise and reminder of what this day is. So what a great day. Well, happy Easter, everyone. It is great to be with you. If this is your church home, you're with us throughout the year uh, and worship with us. We want to just thank you and, uh, for being here. It's always fun to worship together, to be reminded of truth together. Um, if maybe you c- don't come as often, I talked to a couple earlier who said, hey, we're CEOs. We come Christmas and Easter only. And, and they said, but this is our church home. <laughs> and, and if that is you, if you are a CEO and uh, you're, this is your church home a couple times a year, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you choose to spend that special day with us in and, and these holidays as we remember the story. So thank you for being here. And maybe you're here today as a guest. Uh, maybe you came as a, a, a gift to a spouse or to a parent or to your kids. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker who's been passionate you. And so today you said, fine, I'll go. And if that's you here today, we just want you to sit back, to be comfortable. And, and we're so glad that you are with us here this morning. Here at Seacoast, we believe that Easter is, according to the Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, many books in the New Testament, Easter is the most important day for us. In fact, so much that he says, if the resurrection of Jesus did not happen, then Christians are to be pitied among all people because our faith is worthless. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we serve and follow not a God, but a madman. And so for us today, we believe that he actually rose. We believe there's reason to believe that. And, and for us, it transforms everything. And this morning, what I want to do is we want to address a question. And this is a question. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, what difference does that make? What difference does it make in our lives? For some of us, we see the difference it makes, but we want to be reminded of the truth. For some of you, you might be here and just exploring and kind of wondering, okay, yeah, what difference does that make? And so we want to address that today because we believe, again, the resurrection is so important to remember and to reflect on it. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, he says this, I have it on the screen for you, for I delivered you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. So that is what we believe is of first importance, this idea, the good news that Jesus, the Son of God, came, lived among us, died for our sins, and rose again. And we want to explore that today. I was thinking a little bit of, for me, what Easter meant growing up. I didn't necessarily know uh, what Easter meant fully. I think I knew the story. Um, But my family, we'd always go on Easter morning. We would go to church. It was either a grandparent's church, maybe a local one uh, that we were a part of. Or um, I was a military kid, so often in a base chapel or something like that. And I was trying to remember how much did I really understand the resurrection when I was a kid and, and going to Easter and what did Easter mean for me? And I think for me, what it really, as I look back, all I could remember is, is a day when family would get together um, and it was a day when maybe you had to dress up a little nicer and then uh, there was good food later in the day and then Easter baskets. I remember the candy. 
Because it was great. It was like halfway through the year, your Halloween supply was just running out, and it's time to reload. And that's kind of what, what I remember about it. And I remember Easter candy, for some reason, there's all this like really strange, weird candy. Is there not? Do you guys, yeah, everyone, anyone realize that? Like you have these chocolate eggs that you bite into, and they're, they're gooey. There's like this cream that comes out, and they're, you know, they come from a bunny that laid an egg. I mean, like <laughs> this kind of stuff is what we feed our kids. Um, and and then there was these, I remember growing up, we had these chocolate eggs. They were about this size, and they were kind of soft because it was chocolate wrapped around marshmallow. Anyone remember those things? Are you guys track with me? Those are terrible. Those are terrible. Why do, why do people do that? I don't, do they still have them? Does anyone see them? They do still have them. Okay, I don't know why, but um, they, they still have them. I always gave those to my brother. Um, peeps, I can live with peeps. I actually don't mind peeps. It's like marshmallow rolled in sugar. I mean, come on, that's pretty cool, right? I'm good with that. Kids, uh, take a peep later today, throw it in the microwave, watch that, it's pretty cool. So, <laughs> when your parents are taking a nap, do it then, all right, so. <laughs> but as I think back to Easter, I, I think I don't really remember, I think I kind of missed it. I, I, I missed it, even though I knew the story of, of, of Jesus' death and resurrection, I think I missed it. And I was thinking of the very first disciples. The first disciples who were with Jesus and they saw his teaching. They saw the life that he lived. They heard what he did. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him bring hope to those who didn't have hope before. Jesus broke through all these barriers that existed before him. He broke through these socioeconomic barriers. He broke through these religious elitist barriers. He broke through gender barriers and racial barriers. And he was providing this new way of living and this radical form of teaching. And thousands of people were finding hope in Jesus and saying, this truly is the Messiah, God's one who has been sent to us to change the world. That was a story. They were caught up in it. And then on what we call Good Friday, this one who's changing the world was crucified on a cross and laid in a grave. And even though Jesus had told them that things like this were going to happen, even though there was prophecies in Scripture, particularly Isaiah 53, that talks about the Messiah will be beaten, will be wounded, will be bruised for our sins, will ultimately be killed, will be placed in a grave, but will once again see the light of life. Even though they had the story told to them before it happened, we find them scattered, hiding, confused, maybe lost hope, wondering what went wrong. How did we get to this point? And for the disciples, the whole world was changing. But see, they thought that it was changing for the worse. But what was really happening was it was changing and it was going to be so much better than anything they could imagine. And that God did what he often does in our lives. And he takes something and he makes something out of nothing. He lets the beauty rise from ashes. God took this cross which by the Romans, it was used as a symbol of oppression and it was a symbol of, uh, of to, to keep people down. In fact, crucifixion was reserved for those who would rebel against the Roman government. 
So if you kill someone who tries to start an insurrection, you kill them on a cross as a warning sign to say, if you rise against us, this is what will happen to you. So the cross is this symbol of death and of destruction. And in those three days, Jesus took it and turned it around. It became a symbol of hope. It became a means of life for all people. It's so much so that now we wear it as jewelry. We hang it in our churches because God takes things and turns them around. And that is what Easter is all about. So we want to look at this story. But before we do, I want to just address an obvious question for many of us in here. And that question is, can we really believe that somebody rose from the dead? It's a fair question. And I can't, I don't have time to give you all of the arguments for why we should believe it or why we can believe it. But I really do trust that this, when you think through it, it's not just plausible, but it's logical to believe that Jesus rose. If he was who he said he was, if he really truly was God, and this is the story now that we can believe this. Let me, I'm just going to give you a few thoughts. And I want to admit, these thoughts alone aren't enough to convince somebody. If you are here as a hardened skeptic today and you're going to poke holes in everything I say, sure, this won't be enough. We'll have a longer conversation. But here's a few thoughts. And the few thoughts are this. First of all, it starts with the idea that we know historically Jesus lived and existed. Very few, in fact, hardly any real historians would atta- uh, go against that. A guy named Jesus lived, existed, he taught. He taught a new kind of uh, thinking for the Jewish faith and he was crucified by, under the governor named Pontius Pilate who was a Roman governor in Jerusalem. That much we can agree with, with history. But from that point on, there's a, a, his group of disciples and Christian and the first Christians all believed that Jesus then physically rose from the dead. They saw him, they heard him teach, and they had this, their whole world was revolutionized by that. In fact, the world has been changed. For 2,000 years, this belief has grown, and there's billions of people who now believe this. But here's a th- few things of why we can believe that when the original Christians believed this and wrote this, that they weren't just making it up. Because what some people will say is that they wanted to make this up to kind of cover their tracks. They spent three years with this guy. So they thought, okay, we be- he died. We better come up with a good story for what we just saw. But here's why I don't think that's true. First of all, the resurrection account in and of itself. There's no precedent in the pagan world or in the Jewish world of a physical resurrection. So the fact that the first Christians started saying, we saw this guy who we believe to be God die, and we saw him rise from the dead, we saw him alive after that, there's no precedent for it. If you were going to make up a story, it would be far-fetched to make something like that up, because in the ancient world, most people would say, you're crazy, that doesn't happen. So if you were going to say something about the fact that he's alive again, you probably wouldn't make up physical resurrection. You might talk about symbolic or spiritual or something like that. He now lives on in our hearts, but, he, but to say he physically rose, we talked to him, we interact with him, that was radically different than anyone could have accepted in the pagan or Jewish world of the time. Another thought, in the original accounts of the resurrection, don't tie the resurrection to anything, any sort of theology. They don't tie it to prophecy. There's even some differences in their accounts. Some say there was two angels. Some say there was one angel. Some say the angel was in the tomb. Some say it was outside of the tomb. All of that, you might say, see, they didn't even have their story straight. 
But actually, historians would say this actually gives credence to the fact that they were just recording what they saw and what they heard. And they weren't trying to even justify it. They were just saying, here's what we saw. We're trying to make sense of this thing. We, we, this is kind of, this is it. And we don't really know even how to tie it to anything. This is just what we saw. The other idea is this. Of the first disciples, all of them were tortured and killed for their faith. One of them who was not killed for his faith, he, faith, he was tortured. It was the disciple John. The tradition has it that they tried to boil him to death and they didn't succeed. And so they sent him and banished him to an island. How would you like that to be your life story? Now, let me ask you this. If all of the original Christians were tortured for their faith and not one of them recanted on their story, doesn't that kind of make you wonder? Why would they give their lives physically be tortured and beaten and never go back on saying, yeah, this is the best cover-up ever. They gave their lives for the story with nothing to gain. What they were doing is they were preaching a message of forgiveness, reconciliation, and hope to the world. They had nothing to gain from it, yet they gave their lives for it. They didn't crack with their story. I was thinking back to junior high and I had a friend, um, he and I spent a lot of time with our principal uh, because we were trying to move up in the world. We're trying to, you know, just get to know our authorities. <laughs> and there was one day when uh, we had a substitute teacher, we were in the same class, my friend's name was Todd, and we decided, hey, substitute teacher for today, my name is Todd, your name is Ryan. And so we, went and we switched identities for the day. And then uh, Todd, who was going by Ryan for the day, started getting in trouble with a substitute teacher. So Ryan, who was going by Todd for the day, decided, well, you're not going to get Ryan in trouble unless Todd gets in trouble. So we kind of kept wanting upping each other <laughs> until the substitute um, told us to go visit our friend in the office, uh, our principal. So um, I was told as a kid, it's Principal, right? Because he's your pal. Yeah. All right. So, so we were sent to go see our pal. And um, somehow between English class and the office, we f- couldn't find it. So we never made it there. But um, and uh, long story short, they found out. We kind of skipped out on that. But we had a really rock solid story of what happened, of why we didn't get there. And so then the next morning, the principal invited me and my dad um, to come in. <laughs> And to talk about the story of, of what really happened. And um, when we got there, he, the principal looked at me and said, I wanted to hear what happened yesterday, but I need to tell you that Todd was already in here. And he told me everything. To which I was thinking, did he really tell you everything? Are you trying to trick me here? And he did. He cracked under the pressure. I didn't, but he, my friend did. Now, I think on something so stupid and so small as getting trouble, in trouble in English cl- class, We crack under pressure of trying to hold in a lie. How did the disciples under, under, one was crucified, one was beheaded. The half-brother of Jesus who grew up with him died for his faith, proclaiming that Jesus really was the Lord. Can you imagine that? If, If maybe he tricked the disciples, but you're not tricking your brother, okay? Could you imagine he's like, Jesus is performing a miracle And James, his brother, was like, uh, uh uh-uh. He used to do that magic trick on me all the time. I've seen this one. He practiced that on me. This guy's a phony. No. In fact, James proclaimed him, said, he is Lord. And when he was being stoned to death, he was praying for the people who were killing him. 
In fact, the crowds were so angry with James proclaiming that Jesus was Lord that while he was praying for him, someone took a rock and smashed it in to end his life. Who makes up this story? Who would do that? Again, with some intellectual honesty, we can't say those are the only reasons we believe. It was a miracle. It was great. But these are reasons for us to think. It does make us think. It's interesting, isn't it? Think of it this way as well. If the opponents of Jesus, if the Romans and the priesthood of the Jews who didn't want Christianity to grow, if they didn't want this to continue, all they would have to do is produce the body of Jesus. But they couldn't, and they didn't. It's enough to make us think, could the resurrection actually have happened? So, why does it matter? Let me just say this. The resurrection of Jesus, because he rose, it confirmed his identity and validated his teachings. Because Jesus rose, it confirmed. He proclaimed to be God. If he stays in the grave, you just say, oh, he was a madman. He thought he was God. He rose from the dead. It says there was something different about him. It validates his teachings. It causes us to say, if he truly was the son of God, then what he taught is something we want to listen to. It's different than just some wise teacher. This is not the wisdom of Confucius or, or the Aesop tables or fables or something like that. This is the words of God. So his teachings now are validated. We want to listen to these things so it makes a difference. And if it makes a difference, I want to just talk about two quick ways that that makes a difference in our lives. The teachings of Jesus make a difference. And here's the first one. Jesus taught that we can have peace with God. See, at the time when Jesus lived and existed, people, in order to get peace with God, it was all about performing enough religious acts. It was all about enough, making enough sacrifices, praying enough, memorizing enough scripture, being holy enough to please God. In fact, in John chapter 6, somebody asked Jesus and said, Jesus, just tell us, what work do we need to do to please God? What's the work we need to do? And Jesus responded and said, the work that you need to do to be at peace with God is to believe in me. Believe in me. He shattered the religious systems. Paul later writes in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, he says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, by believing in Jesus, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The thing that used to be Something we couldn't attain, we had to work, 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 and never quite be at peace, now comes through Jesus. If he truly is God, we can have peace with God once and for all. I believe that all of us, whether you believe or not, we're uneasy apart from a relationship with God. Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher, says that we're created with a God-shaped hole in our hearts. If we're created in the image of God, we're made for, cre for that relationship, that connection with God. And without it, there's just something that's off. But we can have peace with God if Jesus truly is who he says he is, if he really rose. I said, look at the resurrection account in Luke chapter 24. And it says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing, the, uh, some of the disciples came to the tomb bringing spices that they had prepared. Here's a couple of the women disciples and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in and did not find the, Lord, the body of the Lord Jesus. They were perplexed about this. And suddenly two uh, angels appeared to them. And the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. And they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. And then they go on to say, remember that he told you 
when he was in Galilee that it will be necessary for the Son of Man to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, crucified and rise on the third day. And then they remembered his words. See, Jesus predicted this would happen, but notice what happens in the story. That morning they went looking for Jesus. And there's a really great question here that I think a lot of us search for peace with God, but we need to ask this question. The angels asked it of the women. Why do you look for the living among the dead? How often do we look for things to give us hope and peace, but we look in dead places? When where we need to be looking is in the face of a living God, Jesus Christ, but we look everywhere else. Some of us look in very religious places. We look at our ability to read the scripture every day or to pray every day or confess every sin we've ever made or to be good enough, do enough good works. Maybe you're looking for hope in relationships or in your own status. And sometimes when we look among these dead things to find what we need that only comes from a living God, we, it comes up short. And sometimes we give up hope and then we start looking to self-medicate to numb the pain. We turn to substances or, or finances or power or any sort of addictions just to say it. We just can't make it. We're not measuring up. But Jesus, if he really rose, he says, your real peace with God is in me, the living God. Quit looking for the living among the dead. We find him in Jesus. The other thing we find with peace with God is this idea that we also have the peace of God, that we can have peace in this world because of Jesus. We know that this life is not all there is. You know, even this morning, uh, if you saw the news, tragic news in Sri Lanka, there were seven churches that were bombed during their Easter celebrations. Hundreds of people died this morning worshiping a risen Savior. We look at that and we think, how is there hope in this? What is this about? The world's filled with pain and heartache and division and people who hate each other. But we find in Christ, he tells us that this life is not all we're living for. The world is broken. And Jesus is the solution, and he gives us a solution today and for the world and the life that is yet to come. There's hope in Jesus. And my guess is, though there's mourning and tragedy and confusion, confusion in Sri Lanka right now, there's brothers and sisters in Christ who are also finding their hope in the fact that this is not the end, that there's a life beyond the grave. And though they would never want this to happen, they know that they have a Savior who's risen and they can find hope among the living, not among the dead. One, one final thought for us today is this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, because we can trust his teachings, we have peace with God and also we can have peace with others. See, I believe that the teachings of Jesus should call us into a life of blessing the world around us. It's called us into, we no longer have to live for ourselves alone. We don't have to just worry about our own status and, and, and building ourselves up and finding you know, enough followers on our social media to validate and to make us feel good enough that we can now selflessly live for others as Christ did. We can be at peace with all men because we have this hope of something more. Uh, one of the things I love about Seacoast is we have this thing we call Love Encinitas. Now, if you live in Solana Beach or Carlsbad, Oceanside, wherever you live, if you live in Del Mar, even if you live in Escondido, we, we still love you. We love your cities. <laughs> but our, our church is in Encinitas. So we have this thing we call Love Encinitas. 
We believe that because we've been transformed by Jesus, we have a living hope that we also want to be a blessing to our community. And, and a few years ago, the mayor of Encinitas told us, like, hey, if there's one thing you could do. There's a school called Sunset High School. It's a great school right down the street from you. Uh, it's the alternative high school, and a lot of the kids are there by choice. They're great students, and there's a lot of them who just have not succeeded well in traditional high school. Maybe you could do something with them. And we had a group of seacoasters who actually got involved and said, let's, let's just see what we can do and bless them. And we have a video I want to show you, and this is from one of the teachers um, who's become a friend of Seacoast, one of the teachers um, on this video to kind of explain what we do there. So take a look at the screen. You know, Sunset is such a neat place. What I really love is that this is a place that allows people to be people. Teachers, students, parents. Um, life happens outside of school. And I love that here we don't run away from that. We confront it. So here it's head on, honesty all the way around. And it allows kids to have an opportunity to um, perform under when they are feeling strong. They perform strongly when they're having an off day. That's okay because we understand that we all have off days and then we move forward again. So I love that about this school. I love that I have an opportunity to really get to know my students, which is unique. You know, it's very much like a giant family here. And, and I think that's what I love about Sunset. Seacoast has been magic. So I, I was thinking about that, knowing that, that this was gonna happen. I would, I would start like this. The first Seacoast visit was like when you're in school and you know there's that one kid that comes up and is real good at making friends and they just come up and say, Hey, I'm Bob. You want to play tag? You're it. And, and it's just on, and you kind of have the mystical look like, what just happened? And then you go and play tag. Well, Seacoast just showed up one day, and they said, we'd like to serve. And all of us were, were kind of going, well, that's unique. And they just showed up and said, hey, we're going to serve food, and just did it. It was magic. And then since then, it's become a relationship where the kids know Seacoast, Seacoast knows the kids. And to me personally, it's, it's had a huge effect because I see strangers coming up to me and kids and just with a smile on their face, just serving. And to me, that is just magic and so unique because you'd see total strangers sitting down with our students, striking up conversations and just being real. The kids often don't have that. They don't have parents and adults to just talk to, just like human beings. So it's very magic for our students, I can tell you that. And I think it'll be magic to you as well. Yeah. And we have the privilege today, too, of uh, Craig and his wife, our guests, with us this morning. So thank you for what you do as a teacher at Sunset. I love that there's a group of people from Seacoast who give of their lunchtime often and just go and serve and, and, and because they can be at peace with others. We've been transformed by the living Jesus. And you know, Christians throughout history, there's, there's some dark parts of our history. There's things that Christians have done in the name of Christianity that are not Christ-like. I'll admit that. But for the better part of our history, for the most part, the movement of Christ's followers being transformed by the Spirit of God have done a lot in this world to bring hope and healing and reconciliation that was never possible. And this is because of we have found the living Jesus who changes us. And as we end our time here today, I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way back up. And I just want to share with you that in this room, there are hundreds of us who've been transformed by this truth. That our very lives are different because of Jesus, and not just spiritually. 
It's not just that we now have forgiveness of sins, but our marriages have been transformed. The way we raise our kids is transformed. The way we interact with our neighbors is different. The way we coach teams is different. The way we uh, paddle out in the waves and interact with people there is different. The way we drive on the freeway is different most of the time. (laughs) But because of Jesus, we've been transformed. We're changed people. And I believe that that is available to all of you here today. If any of you are here and you say, well, I've never really kind of considered Jesus. I've never considered the risen Lord. This morning, I want to just let you know that there's nothing in your life that you've ever done, that you have ever thought, and what you ever will do that would put you outside of the reach of Jesus Christ on the cross. That there is hope for you today. No matter what, there is hope. He loves you, he's created you, and is inviting you into a life of believing in him and being at peace with God. And that's for you today. And we're going to end our time. We have a song here. And before we even go into it, I just want to pray. And maybe this morning, God's stirring in your heart. And maybe you want to respond to this truth. And remember, Jesus said the work we need to do is believe in him. So this morning, I want to invite you to believe in him. To know that this world that we're living for is not everything. I've used the analogy before, and I love it. It's from the the movie Uh, about the Apostle Paul, and he dips his hand in the ocean. And he takes out a little bit of water, and it starts running through his hand. And he said, you see this water? This is our life right now. It's fleeting. It's dripping through. We can hang on to it, but it's just for a while. But for Christians, see, most of us think that our life is all about the water right here. But people changed by Jesus We're not living for the little bit of water in our hand. We're living for the ocean. We have all eternity with our God. There's a new life waiting for us. We invite you to take a step from this life and have the whole ocean. The life that we really live for is the one that we can hope in because of the resurrection. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the reminder of your truth. And I thank you for the reminder that life is found in you and peace is found with you. I thank you that as we're changed to people that we can bless our world freely. And so Lord, now I wanna pray for anyone in here who's maybe wandered away from you or has never given, uh, confessed their belief in you. This morning, Lord, I want you to speak to their hearts. And if that's you this morning, and you want to take that step of faith with Jesus, I want to invite you to just make this prayer that I'll pray with you in just a moment in the quietness of your heart. And just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to forgive me for my sins. I want you to transform my life. And even though I have questions and maybe I still have doubts, would you be the Lord of my life? And if you prayed that prayer this morning, that's the good news, that Jesus invites you in today. That's the first step. So Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time. And we pray that you would receive our praise, our response to you. In Jesus' name, amen.